There's a difference between doing the deep work, the work that shifts your life, the work that helps you align with your purpose, the work that lights you up, versus the hard work, the the things that we think are going to take us, you know, a few steps forward, but in fact drain us of our energy, our vitality, and leave us feeling like we're just spinning our wheels. And today on the show, I have this amazing conversation with my friend Amber Campion all about the deep work and so much more. Amber is a great friend of mine and we've been friends for years. She used to live here near me in Santa Cruz, California and has since relocated, but we have stayed in touch and it's been amazing to see how her work has deepened, how it has transformed, how the impact that she's creating is just growing and growing and growing. And I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. We dive deep and it's such a beautiful uh, conversation. So before we dive in, let me just tell you a little bit about Amber. She is a trauma-informed yoga teacher and mindfulness coach. She's also the founder of Dynamic Release Method and the Fulfillment Formula. And for more than a decade, her work in the field of emotional intelligence, personal development, and self-discovery has led her to create embodied trainings, workshops, retreats, masterminds, and online courses supporting you to bring your full self to the world. She's been practicing teaching yoga and mindfulness for 15 years. She's an ERYT 500, which is a designation for an experienced yoga teacher. And she's also had um, hundreds of hours in additional training in somatic therapy. She is also a holistic health counselor and master transformational coach. And her presentation style has been described as motivating, inspiring, creative, funny, and authentically real. So whether she's coaching or teaching or speaking or writing, she really invites those listening to listen deeper to themselves, to one another, and her zone of genius will have you stop hiding and start living intentionally and into your full potential. And I'm so excited to to have her on the show. I've actually been trying to get her on the show for a while, and so it's um, really exciting to have her on and Let's just hop on into our conversation. Hey there, you're listening to the Rock Your Purpose podcast, home of the Live Awake Collective. This is a place to find inspiration and life-changing tools to awaken your authentic self and activate your purpose. I'm your host, Emily Perry, an inspirational speaker and international teacher, and I'm here to take you behind the scenes in creating your own purpose revolution. So get ready to rock your purpose, lead your community, and manifest your vision for your life. Welcome to the journey. Let's dive in. Before we hop into the episode, I need to tell you that Magnetic, the business accelerator for heart-centered entrepreneurs, is closing tonight. So if you're listening to this when the episode drops on March 18th, 2021, you have until tonight at midnight to join us for your three-step framework for building and growing a profitable, intuitive online business so that you can go from crickets to sold out and waitlisted and finally bring your vision to life. I have been having some amazing conversations with people joining us in Magnetic and this is for you if you feel like you are the best kept secret. This is for you if you are ready to go from inconsistent income to consistent 5K, 10K months and beyond. This is for you if you're ready to leave overwhelm and burnout in the dust and instead claim abundance and overflow. And we use a number of principles in Magnetic and we use a lot of energetic work. So breath work and meditation, we use manifestation techniques and I call this embodied manifestation. And then we also use purpose aligned strategy. So we get super clear on the strategy that we do implement so that it's aligned with your energy. It's magnetized by your energy and it's also on purpose because I'm here to help you rock your purpose, right? And If you're a heart-led leader, if you are a soul business entrepreneur, if you have a business that's really from the heart, maybe you're a spiritual teacher, maybe you are an astrologer, maybe you are a holistic health coach, maybe you are a yoga teacher, (laughs) maybe you do some work in the world that feels really creative and of the heart, 
this is for you. Just go to emilyperry.com magnetic to claim your spot. And just to let you know, this is the last time magnetic will be offered at this price. This is our founder price and it's going to be an amazing experience. Think energy work, body manifestation, and proven aligned systems and strategies. So I can't wait for you to join us. You can also send an email to hello at emilyperry.com if you have any questions, and we will make sure that we answer them for you. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Well, welcome to the Rock Your Purpose podcast, Amber. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited <laughs> to have you. So everyone heard about you um, in the intro, but can you tell everyone just a little bit about you know who you are and what you do right now? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know exactly what the intro was, so I'll just open by saying that I am a trauma-informed yoga teacher for over 15 years now, which always blows my mind when I say that, um, especially because when I first became a yoga teacher, I was terrified of it um, and certainly would have never thought back then that 15 years later, I'd still be teaching. And um, I'm also a mindfulness coach. And um, I like to refer to myself as a devotee to depth. We were talking earlier about how it's really interesting being an entrepreneur, but one that identifies as an artist. And um, I've really, over the past decade of being steeped in having my own business and putting my work out into the world and my voice out into the world, have really... Um, I guess, well, the word that's coming up is struggle. I don't want to use that word, but I guess I've danced, kind of like navigated with like, how do I put myself out in the world, my work in the world, really help people, um, what my tagline is, bring your full self to the world, but do that in a way that feels really true to me, really poetic is the word that I like to use. Like poetry is something that I... Um, spend a lot of time writing poetry and how do I weave that kind of like artist identity into my work so that it feels genuine and it feels heartfelt and it feels fluid and it feels beautiful. So I hope, my hope is that when people find my world that they, they feel, um, they feel that coming from me, but they also feel, um, a sort of sense of permission to bring that kind of depth, that kind of depth, that kind of artistry into their own work and their own life. That's what, what I love, love when people tell me like, oh, you're um, like the other day I taught a, a class and at the end it was either as a new student there and I completely thought she was about to say like the class is really weird because she was like you know, yoga face, <laughs> like there's like no expression at the end of the class. So you can't read people. And she walked over to me with that like yoga face, no expression. And she's like, your class was, uh... <laughs> it was like that. And I was like, oh, geez, what is she going to say? <laughs> um, there was this long pause and she goes, emotional, meaningful, and silly. And I was like, oh, yes, that's it. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, you're known for creating these experiences for people where they are super transformative. And I know you've had a purpose centered business for forever. <laughs> and I know like in our conversation that we had earlier, we we're talking just about how our work has evolved and changed as we've evolved and changed. And yeah, when you really stepped into this journey, like say entrepreneurship, or really started to follow like that inner impulse within you to create something for yourself or for for people, you know, in the world, like what did that look like? Did you? I know you you're known as a coach and you're known as this like transformational yoga teacher. Um, what did that look like in the beginning? So, because I, I always like to give people an idea of like how things looked in the beginning because people might land on your website and see this like really bright and shiny like fully formed, amazing experience, you know, and they get to your, into your world. But I know things don't always start out looking that way. And so I like to give people a little perspective on like what that journey kind of looks like. 
Yeah, I love this question, Emily. I think it's super important. Um, goodness. So where I began was, you know, 20, I was in my early 20s, coming onto my mid 20s when I even discovered yoga and mindfulness. I had no intention. I was living in New York City to be an artist, right? I went there to become a photographer. And um, uh, I was, I had a, uh, lots of rage back in that age, um, like lots of really repressed anger that was manifesting as deep rage, uh, tons of checkouts. Um, you know, like for me, weekends were doing cocaine, getting wasted, waking up in someone's random apartments. That was what was fun. <laughs> I don't know if I call it fun, but that was my idea of fun. Yeah. Um, just a really different life. And so I, I say yoga found me because I certainly wasn't like, like going and trying to find yoga. And I certainly, once I did my training, I was not one of those people who's like, oh, my dream is to be a yoga teacher. I was doing it to help me deal with my anxiety, my depression, rage. It was just medicine for me. Um, and how it all began is once I had my yoga teacher training, there, I call him my mentor. It wasn't someone that like I went out and sought and was like, will you be my mentor? But, you know, sometimes we have mentors that we go out and we seek, but sometimes people come into our life and just kind of place themselves in our world in this way that later you're like, wow, they were mentoring me to, to really rise up to my potential. And there I was working at the New York Open Center, which is one of the largest uh, urban holistic learning centers in at least the U.S. And I was um, at the time just like setting up the room for these huge teachers like Deepak Chopra. I didn't even know, Emily, I didn't even know who these people were like. I remember the first time I set up the room, like the, the space, I was the event coordinator. So I had to set up the space. I had to, I was, I had to introduce the person. I just had to make sure that the speaker had everything they needed. Um, audio wise, visual wise, even their cup of coffee that I was introducing them right. And so I'm setting up for this, this person, this Indian man, right? I have no idea who he is. Everyone's like trying to run up and take his photo. They're like, I feel like they were like freaking out. I was like, and he's just this really humble, um, kind of quiet, simple man. I was like, who the heck is this guy? It was Deepak Chopra. I, even when I heard the name, I was like, who's that? Yeah. <laughs> so like, that's where it all began. I was just like this behind the scenes person for these really big name people. And then when you work for this, um, this holistic center part of, because you get really low pay. So like on the side, I was waitressing. Uh, one of the bonuses is you could take a lot of these workshops for free and eventually if you're there long enough they'll offer you like bigger programs and I I got offered to teach to take a yoga teacher training so that's why I did it and um and then the, one of the guys that worked there was when I was done with my training kept encouraging me he kept saying I, I just I really really think you should volunteer with this place called the lineage project and the lineage project brings mindfulness practices to at-risk and incarcerated youth Mm -hmm. all around New York City and Brooklyn, Queens, um, the Bronx. And I was like, oh, hell no. Like, <laughs> one, I don't plan on teaching. Like, who, who's going to get anything from me? Like, I'm a mess, right? And, or at least that's what I believed back then. And um, how can I relate to incarcerated youth? I've never been incarcerated. So I was very much, like, looking extrinsically, like, how can I relate mm -hmm. um, to them? And Eventually I did, and I ended up volunteering for one year. It was heartbreaking and heart expanding, and I started to really understand that there was a reason I was working with this population. Uh, I understood their rage. Mm -hmm. I was going through it myself. I really understood anger. I understood what not to say to someone who's angry. So I was really able to reach them. Um, there was deep compassion for me. And also deep healing that went during went went on for me. Like I always say that those students really that time in my life, it was seven years of my life, um, was extremely healing for me and and helped me find my voice and helped me find the beginning, the like the some semblance of confidence to begin to step out there and teach. And really the first the first several years of teaching were horrific for me. Like I sweated like crazy, like, you know, armpits, back, I 
talked really, really fast because quite frankly, my heart was going beating so fast in my chest that I couldn't help but talk really fast. Um, what I refer to as the itty bitty shitty committee, <laughs> which is our inner critic, but I have like an entire committee, probably many listeners are laughing going, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was like so loud that sometimes I couldn't even like, it was almost like the person who was speaking, teaching the class, like I couldn't even hear what I was saying because all I could hear was the voice telling me how everyone hated me, how horrible it was. So it's actually quite a wonder that I kept on keeping on because it was, to be honest, it's just a really painful um, process for me to teach. But what I realized is those first few years were a, a part of my healing and I do feel deeply called to teach and bring mindfulness practices to people. So I think that um, even though it was painful, there was something, something helping me stick with it. So that's how it began, <laughs> you know? And when I first started like actually like selling, selling things on my own, like not just working for nonprofits or, or whatnot, it, I started small, like, little work like I remember my first workshop that I ever led uh -huh. um I I did it with someone else like I was too afraid to do it alone so I actually had a friend who was a jewelry maker and I did a workshop on the chakras and we focused on of course the fifth chakra the voice <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. um and and then at the end we made necklaces with this blue gem which is the color um the color for that chakra mm -hmm. and and it was really beautiful and you know I just I like tiny tiny increments is where I started you know I didn't have a website or anything in the beginning and this was the back in the day when we didn't really have social media either yeah so, <clears throat> I love yeah. it it's like the small steps that just lead to the next step that like that leads to the next the next one you know that yeah that journey of just like kind of following that impetus and and there has to be, I think what happens too, like when you're in the situations where you're like, for example, teaching and you're sweating buckets and it's like sweaty and edgy, but there's, <laughs> there's something deeper there that, that that's keeping you there, right? There's mm -hmm. like that deeper, like that deeper call or like that deeper understanding, like, you know, you know, that by you showing up and teaching that people you're changing lives and you're you're having this effect on other people and i think it's like that's that's what keeps us there right even if it feels really edgy and sweaty <laughs> yeah and you know what oh gosh i wish i would have known this in the first couple years like what was so painful for me is i was so focused on you know, if, if I'm being really honest, it was kind of selfish. Like I thought everyone, you know, I was thinking that everyone was thinking so much about me, but really everyone was in their own practice and their own processing, their own internalization. But I, you know, I was so focused on what are like extrinsic stuff, like what are they thinking about me? Do, the, do they like it? Is this making sense? Is this landing for them? Instead of just being in my heart and giving. And then the other thing too, is I, I had this illusion that I was the only one that was awkward. I was the only one who had self-doubt. I was the only one who worried. And that is just so wrong. Everyone, even the most confident looking human is awkward and has self-doubt and is worried on some level. And I started to realize this by like talking to people that I, you know, that I was putting on a pedestal I no longer put people on a pedestal you know people who I teachers who I like was like wow I want to be like them one day and then I would befriend them and start talking with them and realize that they felt that way about me like they wanted to teach like me and I was like what you know like I remember oh my gosh this is such a profound memory this yeah. was in my first couple years of teaching um in studios so teaching to the general population mm -hmm. uh which was very scary for me after because for the first like seven years of teaching, I just taught to um, at-risk and incarcerated youth and like in hospital settings, things like that. And then it was like, so, you know, I had that. And then like, I had the whole kind of like beginner's mind thing I had to step into again, like, you know, 
well, I think I still was doing that. So maybe the first couple of years, I only did that. And then it was like my third year of teaching, I started to teach the general public. Mm-hmm. But again, that was like a whole new beginning of like, again, a new, a new population of people, new faces, um, <laughs> new conditioning that I was working with all of this stuff. And so all that kind of fear came up again. And um, I remember I met this, this teacher and um, we eventually became friends. And I loved her classes. I felt like they were so sophisticated and so thoughtful and just so, in my mind, so advanced. Mm-hmm. And every time I went to her class, I was just like, oh, just, I wish to teach this way one day. And then eventually, and she was considered a master teacher too in New York, like her classes were always sold out, everything like that. This is back in the day when I like, was lucky if I had eight students in my class. And in New York City, you do not last long as a teacher with eight students. So that's also very stressful. You're like, I need to get more people, which I did eventually, but this was in the beginning phases. And I was really terrified to invite her to one of my classes, but I had gone to school. I went to the Institute for Integrative Nutrition to become a holistic health counselor. And one of the things they taught us is invite people, like invite leaders, invite the people you admire, invite, invite, invite people, um, to coach with you, to like work with you and to really build your confidence. And so I applied that to my teaching as well. And man, is that a good practice to build your courage muscle? So I invited this friend of mine and at the end of the class, she was crying. (laughs) And again, this is like how much self-doubt I carried. Like I genuinely thought she was crying because I hurt her in class. Like I must've, if she's crying, I must've said something that actually hurt her that did something bad to her. Mm-hmm. And, and I, so I was kind of like avoiding her at the end of the class. And then finally she came up to me and she was like, that was the most beautiful class I've ever been in. I, I strive to teach like you one day, like literally, like if you could see my, my mouth, I mean, that was like, I didn't, I couldn't even believe it. Like it was a real, and I share this for anyone who really suffers from a lot of self-doubt, like it was so eye-opening to me, like how much I was causing myself to suffer mm-hmm. by having this delusion that I just genuinely sucked, you know, yeah. but the world was seeing what, what the world was seeing was this realness from me. And also, as you, as you know, Emily, you've like been in my world, my classes are, they're creative. They're different from the general class. The gen- all of my offerings are a little bit different. They're awkward. They're playful. They're silly. They're deep. They're they're me. They're Amber. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it just it took me a little bit of time to understand that that's what people want from me. Not perfection. Not this refined like carbon copy of someone else. They want me. Yeah. They want Amber. Well, I think and so mission too right. to like show up as their complete self too, right? So they're in this kind of exactly where it's like you're com- you're completely authentically fully present in there, and then it's giving them permission to like tap into those parts of themselves, you know, where yeah, they can show up in their lives like completely authentically present in themselves as well. So it's like such a beautiful like mirroring that you you do for people. Mm. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Because that's definitely a gift that I would hope like in my final days for people to say, she helped me be more me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and I think on this Aww. journey too, so we go through these steps, right. And you, you start to see that, like for me, the, the real kind of behind the curtain moment when I was in my twenties as well, um, was as an acupuncturist, actually. So I was an acupuncturist. And um, so I grew up in LA and I was working in LA at the time as an acupuncture school. And I was working for a celebrity acupuncturist, meaning he treated a lot of, you know, he's in the Oscar Black book and all that, those things. And so he treated a lot of celebrities. And I was kind of the assistant while I was in school. And I just had all these conversations with people who are like really super famous, right? And you just really started to see that like, it's the same thing that we're doing, like the same stuff that we go through. I mean, there's no difference, right? It's like the same struggles, the same, it doesn't really matter if you're on a, like a bigger, more exposed stage or like the, 
the stage of a studio where you're sharing something that you care about, right? You're going to have those same voices that come up for, for yourself, like when you're really sharing something from the heart, right? Um, so how did you move through, how did you start to learn to move through those moments of like, of self-doubt and, <laughs> and like when you were hearing that dialogue, you know, like how did you start to move through that? <laughs> mm. Well, first of all, I'll just say it again. I've said this word a few times on your podcast. I moved through it awkwardly, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were just talking about your story uh, and your teacher, uh, it, it reminded me, and this, this will kind of thread into it. I, I think, you know, there is just this, this drive and this tenacity in me. It always has been, even when I was in um, kind of moments of my life of, of deep self-doubt. So there is just that underlying like drive to want to fully live. And I discovered martial arts in my mid twenties as well, which I think, you know, for me having a strong community that um, one, a community where I'm in my body, I think I, I've definitely found on my journey personally. And I really, <laughs> I really believe this is for everyone. There really is something to the mind body connection, but being in my body, especially in a powerful way, was so helpful to somatically discharge some of those strong emotions that were triggering my nervous system into that fight or flight and really keeping me from moving forward. So I think discovering yoga and breath work and martial arts in my mid-20s, but in particular, that community, that martial arts community was so empowering and there was so much philosophy being taught in, and I trained a Brazilian martial art called capoeira and even music and musical instruments, which there's so much power in singing and drumming and just moving your body and your soul in this way that kind of just shakes you out of the rest that you're in. So I, I really feel that that support, having these strong support systems that are also body oriented are, are key. Um, and in martial arts, in, in more traditional, like uh, Eastern martial arts, there's this saying, um, what's the difference between a black belt and a white belt? The only difference between a black belt and a white belt is that the black belt didn't give up. Like, you know, like you keep on keeping on. That's the thing. It's like one day a white belt will be a black belt. They just can't give up. They've got to stay on the journey. And so for me, I think it's, it's, it's really about that, like keep on keeping on staying on the journey and, and, and really, you know, there's so much to, I I give so much um, reverence to mindfulness. There's this, this old Zen story, which you may know of it, Emily, it's, it's very simple. It's, it's, it's called who's leading. And there's this horse that is galloping down this road. And there's a woman on the horse. And the, the horse and the woman seem, they're, they're just galloping with, you know, just galloping, galloping, that they, they seem as though they're really going somewhere important. And then off on the side of the road is this other woman standing there. And she shouts as the horse and the woman gallop by, where are you going, right? Because it seems so important. You want to know, where are you going? Mm -hmm. And the woman on the horse turns back and replies, I don't know, ask the horse. (laughs) And I love that story because it speaks about how I feel like most of us are moving through life. We're just moving through life in this this habit energy. And um, we're in this hurry, this rush to go where? We don't even know because we're not slowing down enough to really check in on where we're going and why we're going there to slow down and get more intentional to understand the thought patterns that are creating our actions and then therefore our outcomes. And so um, that has been a big part of my path. I guess that like body or oriented support, those communities where I'm in my body and there's also wisdom and philosophy being shared. Um, and then the, these mindfulness practices. And in that, um, in that process, this is, you know, back then I wasn't quite in the place of awareness now, but one of the things that when I feel that I'm kind of going off kilter, I'm feeling energy constricted. I'm feeling myself creating or moving forward from a place that feels really constricted. It doesn't 
I don't feel like, and I say this in quotations, I don't feel like me. I started to develop based off like a decade of, of self-doubt and a decade of um, really observing like, okay, this is working, this is not working. This feels good, this doesn't feel good. This creates the kind of momentum I want, this doesn't. Um, I created this concept called deep work versus hard work. Mm-hmm. So now moving forward, I really use that, um, that mindfulness reminder to help me get back into alignment. Cool. So and I, I don't always get it right. About, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Like deep work versus hard work? Like how does that kind of play out as, um, as like a philosophy for you or like when you work with your, I know a lot of people know you as a coach as well, but <laughs> as you work with like, you know, your clients and your community, like, what does that look like? Cause I know a lot of people kind of get stuck in the hustle and the grind and the, the hard work and the, the efforting and the automatic pilot that happens right in our lives. Like as you were just speaking to that feeling of like just being on the horse, like, I don't know where we're going, but we're going, <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And you know what? Yeah. I'll totally share it with you. It's, um, and here's the thing too, Emily, is I find getting caught up in the hustle. Like I did a project once, like a writing project where we had to like write where like, what would the, the title of your book be like something you struggle with and mine would be the hustle right so it's like <laughs> I teach this stuff because I get it and what I also find is that I really find that female identified people women identified people really struggle with this because we have been taught this this form of leadership that is much more masculine much more about the hustle which um and, and, and kind of gets us in our head and in this place of self-doubt because I don't think there's a, um, it's not whole, you know, like I think the masculine form of leadership, it's not about like, let's get rid of that, but we also need the feminine form of leadership. There needs to be a weaving of the two to feel more whole. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, so the hard work versus deep work here is, um, first of all, I, to be, to be fully in integrity with deep work, it, it really does take courage, which means that it takes a willingness to be in uncertainty, a willingness to take risk, and a willingness to have emotional exposure. Those are three things I identified. Mm-hmm. So when we're re- resisting uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure, we're going to automate into hard work. So that's the first thing to be aware of. Yeah, it's like, and when that's happening, I mean, that's what we all do, right? We all uh, well, yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Like we, who wants to be in that? But so what this does is gives a reframe on those things. This yeah. is going to give a reframe on those. Gotcha. So I'll go through a few. There's a lot of them. Like this is a whole, a whole thing, maybe like a whole book even, but like, I'll just, I'll give a few and, and then I'll take a breath so you can, cause you're keeping track of time. <laughs> so, yeah. okay. So hard work, you can even like almost imagine this, like there's uh, a line down the center of your page and on the left side is hard work on the right side is deep work. And when we're working from the filter of hard, hard work, we're going to be outcome focused. We're going to be totally focused on the outcome, focused on how many, and, and we'll apply this to entrepreneurship since so many of your listeners are entrepreneurs. So outcome focused, we would be in the creation process. We're totally focused on the numbers. We're totally focused on the the numbers. By that, I mean, how many people are enrolling, how many, what the income is. And not that that's bad. I think it's totally fine to have like income goals and things like that. But to be in the creation process and focused on the outcome, it will feel like hard work. Mm -hmm. Now, if you want to go into deep work, again, you can still have these goals that you want to hit, but you're going to be process focused much more than outcome focused. And what I mean by that is you're going to be in this mindset of experiment. So you're going to have an experiment mindset. You're going to be thinking much like a scientist, like you're going to have um, a hypothesis, like an outcome, a theory, like I have a theory. I have a, a hypothesis of how I believe the, how I believe the outcome will be what I hope the outcome will be much like how scientists think like I believe that if we mix a and b c will happen right so but you're in the process you're in the experiment like you're curious you're like who you're so in the moment because you're so curious you're following each and every little step that's deep work Mm -hmm. so another one is hard work you're going to be driven by extrinsic gains 
so you're going to be constantly questioning, what do I need to do to create X, Y, and Z? What do I need to do to create this life? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? Very extrinsic. But if you're operating from deep work, you're going to be driven by intrinsic grain, um, gains. So you're more in this, like, who do I need to be to create that? Mm-hmm. Who do I need to be? What, what care, you know, do I need to be patient? Do, you, what do I need to be? So what, what kind of person achieves that? Mm-hmm. And even as I speak these, like, just notice how they land energetically in your body. There's a different, like, a different way they hit us, right? And we're all like, there's no shame here. If you're like, oh man, I'm totally operating from hard work. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like I have to be conscious to be in the deep work space. Um, in, in the space of hard work, we worry about the obstacles. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I always remind myself here is, you know, what you focus on is what you'll feel. So if I am focused on the obstacles and I'm going to feel the obstacles and that's going to feel like hard work. But if I'm operating from deep work, I wonder about possibility. Mm-hmm. I wonder about possibility, remembering that thoughts become things. So I want to wonder about possibility. Um, another one, and this one, this one I really like, and I actually, this is kind of, I got this from um, someone I write who wrote, he wrote The Prosperous Coach. I highly recommend this by Rich Litvin. Mm-hmm. Um, so hard work, we act from desperation. We act from desperation. And this is what I got from Rich Liston in his book, The Prosperous Coach. There was a line, the only line that I highlighted because it hit me viscerally because back when I read his book, I was operating from desperation. And he said, if you say you need a client, you don't need a client, you need a job. I was like, whoa, okay. (laughs) So yeah, you hear that, right? Yeah, so then if, you're operating from deep work rather than acting from desperation, you're acting from inspiration. Mm-hmm. And inspiration comes from taking action, like actually being in the creativity process before you even know what you're doing, before you're ready. Yeah. So it's just so interesting. I'll take a pause here because there's more that I can read, but I want to so, kind of- Yeah, it's so powerful. Uh, yeah. No, it's just so cool because it's like, I mean, a lot of this is what speaking to with, you know, a lot of, you know, work that I do with my clients, but we- I talk about like who do you need to be as as this um, the framework of like you know full embodiment like the energetic piece like energetically who do you need to be who do you need to become to create what it is that you want to create as opposed to you know the hard work um, piece of you know what do I need to do I think in that space we're more in this kind of in the mind like we're stuck in the mind and we're not really feeling into what it is that we're calling in in terms of like, you know, manifesting whatever that happens to be. That's such a great, I really love that kind of contrast that you create between, I think so much of us get caught up in the hard work, right? We get pattern, we, well, this culture that we're in, like most of us, yeah. <laughs> culture of hard work. Right? Yeah. And that's the cultural um, model that we're taught. And then also the masculine, more masculine leadership style, which is very much like the Gary Vanderchuk kind of like, you know, um, you know, do, 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 do. And then something will come out of it as opposed to, okay, who do I need to be? Who do I need to connect with? Like connecting ourselves, having an uh, energetic conversation with our, our, our clients and our students and like letting that be the resonance that really draws people towards us as opposed to that other model. <laughs> yeah. That's so powerful. I love, I don't know if, um, I know the guy's name, Gary Vandercheck, but I don't know if he said this. So there's a, you know, in the whole kind of personal development leadership world. And again, this is so much of this comes from the masculine, one comes from men and they're teaching a very masculine perspective to personal development. One that I will say I used to very much, um, very much was my Bible when I first became an entrepreneur. And also I, I was exhausted a lot. And I, not, I want to say this, that what I'm about to say, I don't think it's wrong or I don't think it's bad. I just think there's also a flip side to what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like there's this one concept like, okay, come up with a financial goal. And you might even know this because you're more tapped in, into this stuff than me these days. Um, so I don't know if you know who said this, 
but because my partner just said this to me recently and I was like that might work for you Peter but it doesn't, it's not working for me anymore like yeah. okay so this it's whatever your financial goal is now 10x that so say your financial goal is like I want to make $75,000 this year great now you're going to 10x that and that's actually your goal so you know I didn't even know what 10x is but so now your new goal is 70 like I think $750,000 or something, yeah, or I don't yeah, even know. Yeah, yeah. And that's what you should strive for. And, and in, in striving for that, then you'll, you'll far exceed your original goal. You, you might even hit that 10 X goal, but you'll land somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. And I used to really abide by that and like that kind of thinking and like, yeah, but also it was like, there was no room for more of this feminine energy of this deep work, this being in the flow. I was just like, striving for something that was like felt like it was like choking me and pushing me like you know like okay I thought it was already stretching enough with like well I'll give my example again with 75,000 but now I now I need to 10x that and and it just felt so pushy and so um like is this really my truth like is this is this for me? And some listeners might be going like, oh, that's so inspiring. I love what you just said. I'm going to do it. And great. (laughs) Like if it lands in your nervous system as a yes, then that's why I wanted to preface by saying, I don't think it's bad or wrong. Mm -hmm. If it lands in your nervous system as a yes, great. But I know for me, a lot of the stuff I was being taught around leadership and personal development was not landing in my nervous system as a yes. It was landing in my, it was landing as a should. And if I don't do that, that means I'm not good enough for this, this game called entrepreneurship and I think there's it took me a while to wake up to that yeah yeah no I totally feel you and I feel like with say I mean that's such a masculine approach too it's very much like let's funnel the energy let's channel the energy and let's just steamroll our way through right and it it, and there's times I think where where that's appropriate actually like I think there are times where in our entrepreneurial life that we do have to get super narrow focused and get super linear and to actually get to like to actually birth something to like actually have it come into the world you know instead of because for me I used to be actually really in my feminine and I kept putting things off because I was like well it doesn't feel right right now you know mm-hmm. <laughs> right <laughs> it was an excuse you know um but I think there are moments in time, like we need both, obviously, but so much of the, and I think this is very much changing in the entrepreneurial space and in the personal development space where there's much more of this conversation about the feminine energy and the energy of reception, but also the energy of magnetism and the energy of being and presence and like, and the potential for that to be what creates it, what creates what creates right because that's like Mm -hmm. as we talk about in yoga like the energy of the divine feminine the sacred feminine is the energy of creation right it's shakti right um Mm -hmm. and i think now it's like it's such a beautiful conversation that people are actually having it's like okay what what does it look like to be the energy in the energy of the feminine what does it look like to be in the energy of the masculine and and really allowing ourselves to to slow down to pause to create space for what we want to come in to come in as well, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's that very divine dance, right? Mm-hmm. Of the masculine and feminine. Mm-hmm. And you know what? This is the thing too, is, is we will mess up. We'll get it wrong. You know, we'll, we'll operate from the filter of hard work. It's, it will happen. I feel like when we, we as humans, when that's what I mean by we is like, this is a human thing. It's like, I, I truly feel after all these years of working with people, humans really need to give themselves a break. We are so hard on ourselves. Uh-huh. You know, we will, when we are, when we are creating, when we are in the momentum of growth, when we are in the act of service, we will get it wrong sometimes. And if, if that either A, holds us back, the idea of getting it wrong, or stops us in our tracks, then that's on us, right? Like, because it's, it's just, it's going to happen. And I think when we just like sit with, sit with that, it's like, okay. <laughs> um, it opens us up to being more vulnerable, which there's so much expansion and growth and power in that space. And also it gives us permission to be human, which is inherently awkward. 
Yes. I now fully believe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think those moments of like when things don't work out or they don't, they don't meet your expectation or whatever it happens to be. It's like, it's actually a great, um, a moment where it actually steers you. It, like if we talk about being on purpose and in our purpose, it's actually one of those moments that steers us closer to what we're meant to do. Right. It's like all these moments of things not working are actually just guideposts to like help you navigate, you know, what that next step is going to look like, you know, cause you don't know if something's going to resonate or if you don't know if something's going to work you don't know if something's going to take off unless you actually do it like you there's no predicting <laughs> you know like i mean I, I talk to i have a friend who's written many books and like every book he just doesn't know like you could have so many bestsellers right but you just don't know you just don't know if it's going to resonate or if it's going to be the right time or if a pandemic is going to hit or if there's going to be a natural you know like you just don't know like how things are going to land even when you've had this you know this track record of like of all these things that people might call success, you know? And so I think if you're in that deep work, right, if you're doing things from that place, you can start to feel like, oh, well, I, you know, I showed up completely and I, you know, I did my best and um, this is what I was really called to offer. And, oh, look, look at that. Like, this is just more information. Maybe we should navigate more this way. Maybe people aren't understanding what I'm saying or whatever it happens to be. I think it's just a really, it's a moment to like just navigate, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, um, mm-hmm. in terms of like getting into, I know you have so many amazing things happening um, right now for for people. And I know after this conversation, people are like, I just want to be in Amber's world. <laughs> and um, <laughs> so what are some ways that people can, because you, you offer lots of courses and workshops and a membership and there's, I mean, you've got so much going on. It's just so... Um, Amazing. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, and so how can people get in touch with you? How can people learn more about what you do and um, some of those journeys that you take people on? Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, first of all, to get into my world, I would recommend going to my website. That's like my virtual world. You can get to know me a little bit more there, which is ambercampion.com. And if you, um, are willing to grace me with your presence and join my community, you can sign up and I send out a gift called Radical Presence, six rituals you can effortlessly effortlessly weave into your world to create more space and deepen trust in your body, mind, and life. And what I always like to say about this gift is this is not like, these are six rituals that I've, most people are not familiar with. Like I'll, I'll tell you which one of them is called the 50-50 ritual. And it's uh, for, so say you're working with wanting to reduce your screen time like you're you're on social media too you're, you feel you're on social media too much you're watching too much Netflix or you're playing video games so for every minute or hour of screen time you have to do that same time reading a book so learning something so say you do an hour of uh watching a TV show today then you also have to do an hour of reading so it's called the 50 50 ritual so that's why I mean you can like why I say you can effortlessly weave them into your world to create more space and deepen trust in your body, mind, and life. So that's, that's that. And then I'm, I do my best <laughs> to be active on Instagram and I'm trying to also build up my YouTube. So those would be the two places. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Amber Campion. And I think the same thing with YouTube. And then right now I just, I'll be opening the doors to my membership called Ritual. The doors open actually on the first day of spring, which is March 20th, and it'll be open for about a month. And it's, it's the offering that I'm most excited about. It's, um, you know, you have access, I teach a practice called dynamic release method, which is, um, it's a mind body practice. It's, it's yoga, we move through yoga asana, but we, we move through the asana much like we're doing qigong. So very much with breath being boss. And in fact, qigong means breath work. Um, and we also do self myofascia release using tennis balls. So I'm very much tapping into your nervous system in a dynamic release method class. And so um, we meet on or near um, on or near the new moon and we do a dynamic release method class. I introduce the new moon theme. We do a dynamic release method class and then I give writing prompts. And I've had people just tell me that they feel like that is it's a yoga class 
therapy and a poetry slam were all combined in one. That's what ritual feels like. So awesome. And then on, yeah, I know I was like, thanks for that. I'm going to use that in my copy. And then on or near the full moon, we meet again. And both of these times we meet twice a month for two hours on or near the full moon, we meet for a somatic breathwork healing session. And so we do this really powerful breathwork session and some self my fascia release and also some journal prompts. Um, during that and then you have access to the portal that has dynamic release method classes and uh, playlists and different things like that so that's the thing I'm most excited about that I have in right now awesome yeah you guys are going to want to check that out it's a really special offering and um, so transformative and supportive and um, I just it's funny I look on your site and I just want to live in it (laughs) so it's like can I just move in That's so nice to hear because again, like again, our itty bitty city committee, I'm, there's always this voice of, oh, you really need to update that and make it, you know, like tell your story a little bit more, add more oomph to it. So thank you for saying You're that. Welcome. Yeah. So I'll let myself off the hook. Let yourself off the hook. And then everyone you should just go, like, especially if you're a heart centered entrepreneur, go check out our site, go, go have a gander. And thank you again so much, Amber, for coming on the Rock Your Purpose podcast. It's been amazing to have you. And of course, all of the links to all of the things will be in the show notes for you guys. So you can just tap on through and hang out with Amber in all the places. And so thank you again for sharing your story and your journey and your insight and your wisdom here on the show today. And um, I can't wait to have you back on. (laughs) I feel like we could talk for five more hours. Oh, we, we could for sure. <laughs> Thank you again, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on the Rock Your Purpose podcast. And you can reach Amber at ambercambian.com. You can reach her on Instagram, and her handle is at ambercambian. And she's the same on Facebook. And I will make sure that her YouTube channel, her Instagram, her website, all the things are all linked for you um, in the show notes. You can just tap on this episode and whatever um, app you're using and the show notes hopefully should pop up for you. So you can just click on through (laughs) to the other side. Okay. I am so excited that you're here. And if magnetic feels like it's calling your heart, if you are ready to take a bold stand for your vision, if you're ready to up-level your capacity to hold more energy so that you can hold space for more abundance and expansion, if you are ready to up your magnetism and really start to attract your soulmate dream clients into your work so that you can fill your courses, your programs, your masterminds, this is for you. Just go to emilyperry.com magnetic and of course it will be in the show notes. Join us there. And I can't wait to take this next step on the journey with you. All right, you guys, thank you so much for being a part of the Rock Your Purpose podcast and this movement that we're creating. And again, you know, thank you for being here. And until next time, take care, be well, and I'll talk to you soon. Keep rocking your purpose. (laughs) Ciao for now.